Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. On this episode, we bring you the audio of a wealth management and investment panel I moderated as part of the Future of Banking 2020 conference. We were joined by three excellent guests. Ed Robinson, president and co-founder of Stash, one of the fastest growing consumer investing and banking platforms in the US, pioneering the future of personal finance. Joe Percoco, co-CEO and co-founder of Titan, a digitally native investment manager based in New York City, backed by Y Combinator, Box Group, Maverick, and others. And Ryan Finneran, Director of Investment Operations at MoneyLion, a leading mobile finance platform offering consumer products for borrowing, saving, and investing. Ed, Joe, and Ryan are leading some of the most revolutionary wealth management fintech companies in the US, and they discuss their company origins, the state of the industry, and the sharp increase of demand they are experiencing in light of the COVID-19 crisis. I hope you enjoy our discussion as much as I did. Well, gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to the Future of Banking Conference and you know, welcome to our panel about wealth management and investment. We have an outstanding panel here today with us. We have representatives from Stash, Titan, and then Money Lion, and we're very happy that all of you could join us. And we thought we could get us started by having a round of introductions. Go for it, Ed. I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so go my name is Ed Robinson, co-founder uh, and uh, president of Stash. You know, Stash is a uh, digital-first financial services platform. We offer investing, retirement, banking, and you know, insurance solutions on our platform. Uh, we started in late 2015. Uh, we now have north of uh, four and a half million customers on the platform. And we're growing really, really quickly. We just closed our series uh, F round about two weeks ago. And we're really excited about um, the future that digital finance has in uh, the roles of uh, everyday Americans and then um, soon to be a uh, you know, global population. So we're really excited about uh, where we're at. Joe, go ahead. Cool. Uh, my name is Joe Prococo. I run a company called Titan. Uh, we're definitely probably the most earliest stage of the bunch here. Uh, we only started a couple of years ago. We are an active manager. So our whole view was there's been a lot of really great and awesome uh, progress in fintech, in banking, in passive investing, as you know, a couple of the folks on here with me today ha- are responsible for. Uh, we saw a big gap in the active space, namely hedge funds, mutual funds, and so forth. So our goal at Titan is to democratize those products for whomever wants them. So um, right now we about have 100 million of assets under management growing really fast. So hopefully we can continue to grow and continue to spread the mission. My name is uh, Ryan Finneran. I'm a director of investment operations for MoneyLion on our wealth management platform. Uh, MoneyLion is very similar to Stash, kind of a full service digital solution. Uh, we offer wealth management. Soon we'll be offering uh, brokerage services as well as banking and lending services. Been around for just about six, seven years now and uh, growing pretty rapidly, especially on the um, the wealth management side, uh, it's kind of our newest line of business. I've been around for just about a year and a half, two years now. But, you know, we're really excited about where we are going, where we see the marketplace as a whole going. 
Fantastic, thank you. And, and before we get started and, and delve into our questions, perhaps you could tell us what particular aspects of your brand identity you think resonate the most with your clients? And we can go in the same order. Okay, same order, okay. Uh, yeah, so for us, it's very much around a holistic platform that provides uh, financial advice and education. 86% of our customers are first-time investors total beginners that have never had access or the funds to actually start investing. Our platform really gives them the education, the advice, and the ability to actually start investing when you've only got a dollar. And from there, our platform will give you the teaching, the content that you need to build diversified portfolios and really set yourself up with smarter financial habits. The thing that we know that's really resonating is uh, the education and advice piece is creating an incredible amount of uh, loyalty and brand with our customer base so that retention is really strong and customers really love coming back to the platform and learning more. Yeah, similar to what Ed just said, uh, I think education now is almost required by all three of us, just given what's going on in today's market. Our clients view us sort of as like a hedge fund portfolio manager in their pocket. They care about knowing like why Google stock is up or down, is Facebook a buy if it's at 140. So our job, especially over the course of March and the volatility in April, was to coach people when Uber was back in mid-teens, helping them not churn and like recommending that it actually could be a buy. So right now, more than ever, as Ed just mentioned, content and education and making sure we build products that are right there on the front lines with our clients and customers uh, is critical. Yeah, just to echo everything that uh, Ed Joe said, you know, education and providing uh, advice that clients are seeking is hugely important. We're finding that 30% of the traffic to our to our website and our, our app is going to our education and content resources. This is up significantly. No one knows what's going on nowadays. So providing that advice, providing that content it's hugely important and as well, you know, our business is just really built on being, as I said, holistic. You know, we want to make sure that we can be a one-stop shop for our clients where they can be able to get uh, banking services, lending services, and investing services all in one uh, centralized location. And nowadays with, uh, with everything going on, just being able to offer all of that to our clients, we feel is hugely important. Fantastic. Thank you for that. So I wanted to get started on, on the topic of, of your clients, right? We are reportedly going through an, an historic shift, which is a massive intergenerational wealth transfer. There's a reportedly north of $8 trillion that are being passed from one generation to another. And being a digitally native platform like all of you are, Presumably, this wealth will be going to the hands of a lot of your clients, at least your target audience. Uh, how are you planning to seize this opportunity? Why don't you go first, Ryan? We'll change it up. <laughs> yeah, it's a really great question. And it's one that it's kind of been going around for quite some time now. You know, not everyone's going to be living forever. And especially those people with, who have accumulated the money are certainly not going to be living forever as much as they would like. In my opinion, in order to capture that wealth, and that wealth transfer, you need to be able to gain the trust of those clients early on before it happens. It, when I used to work with financial advisors, the financial advisors would always ask me this question. And the problem was that these financial advisors were already turning away the children of the clients who would be inheriting the money because they didn't meet their minimums. So when the 
the children are kind of coming around, if you're saying no to them now, they're absolutely going to say no to you if you're asking them to be their client when they inherit that money. So you want to be able to capture the attention of those clients very early on and then build and gain and build their trust over time so that they see you as a valued resource in their life when it comes to their financial picture. And when they do in eventually inherit that money, it's staying with you and you know no one's coming around to try and poach that client away from you. That includes building tools and services and, and resources for those clients so that you're answering the question before they're even asking it. When they inherit that money, you are already there and have the answer for the question of, well, what should I do with this money before they're even thinking about that question? Yeah, building off uh, Ryan's point, uh, for us in particular, like what we see is that every consumer is about to make a choice as they inherit or receive this transferred money. And because of the fact that we now all have a supercomputer in our pocket, we can reshape the way products are thought about. So an anecdote with respect to us, so historically, you either were locked out of a hedge fund, or even if you could get in one, you was a relationship that you had with that money manager. The fact that we have FaceTime built into a phone means you could get that manager publishing a, a two-minute video explaining the thesis on why he's buying into a stock and ship that to you in real time. So when you sort of like reimagine what's possible with financial products based upon all this technology, you can now say, hey, how do we make this transfer of wealth not just the easiest thing that happens, but actually a delightful experience for these clients in a way that they grow. So it's like a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah, totally. I mean, from, from our perspective, uh, you know, we launched a custodial product nearly two and a half years ago, and there's a huge amount of success um, we've seen uh, since we've kind of tiered our platform into the $1, $3, $9 tier. And I think it's people setting up their families, getting their kids set up. I know I've got them set up for my kids and my kids can pick five or ten dollars worth of Disney stock each week or maybe it's Amazon, maybe it's um, Alphabet. It's really up to them and I'm already starting to teach them the ways, you know, what's happening with some of the movements, what's happening with some of the learn articles. I think for us, our platform is very much in built on that building smarter financial habits and education, um, both on the investing and then on the banking side. And so when you tie that into the, you know, what we're building education, you get this really great loyalty. And as Joe was mentioning before, it's a tech built platform. I started my career as a private banker for high net worths. And I got to tell you, people don't want to speak to their financial advisor over a long lunch anymore. They want to know that they have got their finances in their, in, in their pocket. Um, they can see what their balances are. They can understand what's actually happening and actually be in control. And I think that's what our products do. And as long as we keep building on that and continue to build loyalty and trust, you know, there's going to be a huge opportunity for us for the years to come. Do you think there will be a shift, a fundamental shift in terms of strategy, meaning are this new generation is going to be focused more on wealth creation versus wealth retention, or will the balance continue? I mean, I think in the customer segment that we're going after, we're going after middle America. Middle America, average age is 29. Uh, these are people that have just got their first promotions, just thinking about becoming adults. They're not relying on what their parents might give them or what their grandparents might give them. They are trying to work out how to set themselves up securely. The way we approach it is, listen, if we can continue to help them with smarter building smarter financial habits, then that will allow us to be in the ring for um, bigger assets should they receive more assets. 
I think there's a big shift, and I think COVID's actually pushing um, it even quicker, is that there's a realization now you don't have to go into a bank branch. You don't have to go and sit down in front um, of someone, you know, to talk to a financial advisor. It can be done digitally. And so I think everything is just being sped up with what we're seeing right now. I think um, the digital platforms are going to really step up and uh, take more of the uh, pie quicker, um, given what everything's with everything that's happening. And Miguel, to your question regarding the wealth creation standpoint, we internally anecdotally see one of the biggest issues that folks have yet to address, and I think Stash and Moneyline are already doing a great job at this, is people can't literally get the returns of the investment vehicles that they're in. So even if you were to put someone's call, let's say they come out of college or to use uh, Ed's example of a core customer, 29 years old, middle America, put them in the Vanguard ETF. They're usually gonna trade in and out of it between that and cash when volatility strikes. And so the whole Albert Einstein quote that compounding is you know, another magic wonder of the world. These clients literally can't just reap the benefits of it. And so using content, using education, and just helping build the right tools in their phone where you can have a near instant relationship, let's say eventually using AI, being like, hey, we notice you're most likely to turn when it says minus 5% in your chart this day, please don't do so. Things like that is how you can have that sort of relationship democratized with millions of people at once. So hopefully from a wealth creation standpoint, we can give folks who wouldn't have had as much wealth, more wealth than they otherwise would. Great. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, from a... Uh wealth creation versus wealth accumulation standpoint. I mean, I think there's still going to be a balance between the two of them. Obviously, as things go on, you know, it might skew one way or the other. And I'm not Nostradamus. I can't be able to tell you exactly what's going to happen in the future. But, you know, I think, I truly think there's going to be a a bit of a balance uh, between the two. But, you know, I think it's certainly something that so long as you are uh, providing the content and the education for your clients and Joe's point, helping your clients to make smart decisions, you know, making sure that they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot because they see a negative number one day and keeping it kind of in context that, you know, they're investing for the long term. They're not investing, you know, their $100 today to turn it into $10,000 tomorrow. They're investing $100 on a monthly, quarterly basis in order to turn that into $10,000 over the course of their investing lifetime. So, you know, it's certainly trying to make, and they're not making irrational decisions based off of, you know, the talking heads on the news uh, saying that, you know, the world's in a tailspin and, you know, we need to, everyone needs to duck and cover. Perfect. Let's touch upon a little bit on customer retention, which is, I'm sure, something you think about a lot. A lot of your customers are coming to you at the very beginning of their investing life. How do you think digitally native wealth management platforms can ensure you retain your clients as they age and as you know the big asset management houses of the world really start to target them? Start with this one. You know, I think the big thing again is building that trust and loyalty and doing it early on. If you're going to try and catch someone once they've really started to accumulate wealth, you've really missed the boat. So you want to be able to harvest and foster a strong and trusted relationship with your clients early on. And as they start to age, you want to make sure that your services and your products are aging with them. You know, when they're first starting to uh, to join and when they're first starting to invest, 
they probably don't have really complex circumstances, but as their life starts to progress, they may be inheriting any money from relatives, they might be having kids, buying a house, saving for college, you know, anything like that. So you want to be able to make sure that you're growing with your clients and you're not just staying stagnant as your clients are growing through their life cycle. Because if you're staying stagnant, then they're immediately going to start looking elsewhere for for the advice and the services that they need as they go on their financial journey. So making sure that you're building services and products and evolving those services and products for your clients as they age is hugely important. It's almost like you want to have a glide path for your clients as they're aging, your products are aging as well. And you also don't want to forget about those clients that are coming on early on. You know, you build the foundation of the of the client where or the of the service where it meets the initial needs of the client. And then as they're going in their lifestyle, you really want to make sure that you're meeting all of their needs and you're meeting them again before they're asking for it. You want to make sure that they're coming to you. And, you know, as Stash has, you know, they have these custodial, they have custodial accounts. If I were to have a, a child right now, I'd want to make sure that I can set them up for, uh, for success. So I want to make sure I have a custodial account for my child. So making sure that uh, you're meeting the needs of your clients, again, before they realize that they need it. Yeah, I think it's something that we constantly monitor at Stash. You know, we look at things like ACATs off the platform onto other platforms. We look at, you know, just people selling. Um, obviously, there's a ton of data through the aggregators, such as, you know, the plaids and the yodelies of the world. We're always looking at what are the overlaps of the different platforms and then adjusting what our strategy. One of the things that we find really strong is that now we've got those kind of foundational products and we've also got this great connection between our banking and our investing platform through Stockback, which allows people to get a slice of McDonald's when they go and buy a Big Mac automatically. That is a great simple bridge by using technology that creates a customer that's not going to leave. So that as they're living their lives, they are becoming an investor with every swipe. They're building wealth with every swipe. And we've seen an incredible amount of success off the back of that. But we're not going to rest on our laurels. Our view is that the market, um, there's a clearing price on the market and things like fractional share trading, things like free banking are going to go to zero. And so it's how do you add value? And our view is that we continue to watch, monitor, and listen to our customers to make sure we're driving the best service possible. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, uh, in particular with the add value piece. There's a long list, as Ed just started to say, of things that you know several players charge for, in particular, all of our legacy incumbents that will most likely just be free and just become features instead of product offerings themselves. So it's sort of just our job you know, to continue to try to bring the future closer and closer as fast as we can. Um, Stash has been doing really cool things like with the Stockback program that Ed mentioned. And so as we think about customer retention, the one thing we, we all have to our benefit is the fact that trust and things like a relationship go a really long way in asset management. Like you're more likely to ditch, you know, your pair of Allbirds sneakers for the next great lightweight sneaker than you are the asset manager that you've been with for 10 years who has demonstrated a track record because you can't replace a track record overnight. Um, so hopefully for us, if we keep doing our jobs and continuing to improve our service offering and growing with our customers, the investments we have made in that relationship should continue to pay off. That makes sense. You want to grow with your clients. Let's, uh, obviously, we're going through unprecedented times right now. We're experiencing a 
this COVID-19 crisis that has hit pretty much every single country and industry around the world. Curious to hear how has it affected you particularly, but also as a whole, the, the industry, right? Uh, initially, the markets panicked and tanked. Now we're seeing a completely different behavior. We're very curious to find out how have you been navigating this from within? Yeah, I can kick off. So for us, it's been a really interesting time. You know, I guess through the five years that we've launched Dash, the one question that's always come up is, you know, will your customers flee for the exits when uh, the market pulls back? And I can tell you one thing, we've seen the complete opposite. Our cut, we have having the highest number of net deposit, like inflow days, um, and it's still on record right now. Customers are really understanding, and this is all because of, I attest this to the education and advice that our platform does, is that, yeah, they are still 29 years of age. This is a market pullback. But if you continue to add $5, 10 $20 um, a week, uh, this is a potentially a really great buying opportunity. And so for us, it's been a very interesting uh, dynamic because you've seen positives in terms of AUM, and our AUM is still at a record high again now. So we've recovered totally. But we also are seeing some of the things that people are losing their jobs, uh, which is incredibly unfortunate. They are stuck at home. They aren't able to spend. And so we're seeing you know, some of the banking usage not being as high for obvious reasons. And so like all good, fully developed businesses, you've got to make sure that you're diversified in the different revenue streams so that you can continue to be there for your customers um, during these trying times. Uh, and the way we think about being there for our customers during these times, you know, continue to build great rewards programs, continue to give education. And then, you know, we've launched a thing that's doing really well, which is we're launching every day at four o'clock. We give out free stock to our customers. You just have to go to party.stashinvest.com. You click a button, you learn a bit of education and you get a bit of stock. And it's something like that. While everyone's stuck at home, um, you know, we try to put a little bit of light around uh, some of the situation. But it is very unprecedented times. Never thought the business would be looking like this, but it is, and it's uh, fed very well through this time. Yeah, we've been. Uh, we were uh, received a bunch of the same comments at least over our early cycle, which is how will you guys perform in a downturn? And we're seeing the exact same thing: a record high retention, record high asset growth, record high deposits, record high client inflows. And you know, even I didn't expect it to at least impact our businesses as much to the positive as you would have expected. Like I would have at least expected some bump in the road. But when I reflect why and like what we're hearing from clients, it seems like, you know, given we all have such really big market sizes to go after, and we're still in the top of the first of our respective journeys. Uh, our observation has been that a lot of our clients, just to speak for ourselves, have their money in a variety of places, whether, you know, a legacy incumbent, you know, several different fintech players that they downloaded, other sorts of things. When the market is green and all your stock charts are up and to the right, you don't really reconsider any one of them. Why should my money be invested in a certain way? Now that everything was just down and red for a vast period of time, people start to reconsider why are they in all these legacy incumbents with high fees, with like really poor user experiences. So we've actually seen it as a ripe time for value props actually come even clearer than they were in the past. In an 11-year bull market, it's tough to make the case that you should ditch what's been working the last 10 years. But now that stuff is really challenging, and we all seem to hear have on this interview a very educational approach to each of our clients, um, it means we should win during times where education really matters. 
Yeah, to echo what everyone's been saying, you know, we've been seeing uh, record signups. Inflows are, are holding very steady and, and trending up. But our biggest thing that we've been noticing has been our educational content. You know, as I said earlier, 30% of our traffic to our site is to our blogs. Our clients are reading and ingesting our education record clips. We're seeing the average client is spending about three minutes reading each one of our articles. And each time that they're visiting our blog, they're reading an additional three articles from the first one that they read. So we're seeing just incredible retention when it comes to or an incredible thirst for our educational content. So it's a kudos to our kind of our content team because they're doing incredible work. And one of our biggest uh, blog pieces that we've had has been about our auto invest, how to set it up, how it works, what our clients should be doing. So we're seeing our clients are really, really thirsty for educational content and you know we've been meeting that demand but you know from our our standpoint we know that some of our clients might be losing their jobs so uh, we have a great foundation when it comes to our lending business so our lending business has been doing wonderfully we're obviously watching for any sort of uh, increase in any default rates or anything like that um, so our credit and risk teams are doing are working around the clock to make sure that we're meeting the demand but we're doing so in an intelligent way for our business but, you know, across the board, you know, our, our team is hard at work. This is the first time for Money Lion and for, I'm sure, Titan and Stash, where we have 100% work from home. Everyone is separated. We have a bunch of our colleagues who are having to juggle a full-time job on top of taking care of children because they can't send their children to school. They can't bring someone in to, uh, to take care of their kids. So from just a company standpoint, you know, we're really trying to make sure that we're not burning anyone out and uh, everyone is, is working just as hard as they were in the office, but doing so, it's kind of a delicate balance. You want to make sure that everyone is staying comfortable, staying connected. Uh, you really lose something when I can't kind of turn to my left or to my, to my right to people around me and ask them a question. I have to send a Slack or an email, which... I feel like I've sent more emails in the last two months than I have in the last six years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's making sure that everyone from a company level is connected because if we're all connected and we're all working strongly together, that only benefits our clients. That makes sure that our platform is staying up and staying active at all times to meet our customers' demands um, and making sure that we have the education resources for our clients so that they can turn to us as a uh, trusted resource for, uh, for getting any questions that they might have during these incredibly uncertain times. That's truly impressive. And it really proves the point and solidifies the necessity for platforms like yours, right? This is actually being very positive for the industry, for the particularly for the fintech industry. So uh, it's uh, it's wonderful to to hear your experiences. Are there any particular industries that your clients have been gravitating towards? Right now, we have we're a purely managed portfolio, so it's a discretionary portfolio. So our clients are going in and picking stocks. We soon will be launching uh, what we call a multi-strategy, which allows clients to be able to insert different investment sleeves. So kind of a steady income or a fixed income portfolio, the ability to invest in 
what we call future innovators, so more tech-focused stocks, and then as well, uh, ESG portfolios. That's coming right down the pike here. But for right now, our clients really have just been sick in the path that uh, that they've set forth. We've seen some clients who might be going to a little bit more of a conservative portfolio, but for the most part, you know, we don't have a service where our clients can go in and say, I want to invest in, in Apple or in Alphabet or something like that. Miguel, our business is pretty simple, which is almost like we we manufacture financial products, almost use a retail analogy, almost like a better version of a mutual fund. So for us, we sort of see, we can only opine on the lens at um, in our view of the world, but we have seen an increased use in engagement. So like metrics like weekly active users, it's like a typical passive manager might have anywhere between eight to 12% weekly active users. And we're seeing like 70, 80% on our platform right now. So the aspect of our business that we're seeing succeed marginally more than usual are people who are clamoring for our content. Going back to what others were saying before about understanding the why is really important now more than ever. Uh, For us, we preach diversification. So we're not really seeing massive lifts in specific sectors. Um, obviously, we do see users pick stocks like the Amazons, the Wayfares, and the like um, Home Depots and the home delivery um, in the DIY space a little bit. But you know, the, we've built enough uh, controls and uh, education advice within our platform that should a, a customer's portfolio get totally out of whack, we will actually hit them with messaging. Um, for us. The other thing is that 80% of our uh, basically purchases actually come through Autostash, uh, which is the automatic kind of weekly reoccurring investment. And so that's a little bit more said and forget, um, but people are managing those and that drives most of our uh, AUM that's coming in on the investment side. Yeah, I wanted to get a sense on the road ahead, right? How, how has this crisis affected your plans at all, if it has? Uh, And how do you see the future of wealth management? Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, we're feeling really, really, like, very optimistic. Uh, We just closed a really nice uh, Series F funding around the capital. We've got a lot of capital to really go out and uh, grow and drive user adoption and build brand. We have got the four pillars that were really, four really distinct revenue streams. Um, And for us, it's the big monuments of our platform have been built now. And so now it's about how do we really be there for our customers? How do we really help them build smarter financial habits? And so when I think about what's coming down the, the pipe in terms of you know the whole industry, there's definitely a movement um, to more digital. You can see it. And it's going to continue to speed up. We think we're in a great position to capture um, the growth in that space. And I think the incumbent players are going to have to step up their game and really improve the way they think about client onboarding and really think about what target market they want to go after. Uh, You know, some of the banks have been moving upstream by increasing some of their maintenance fees, not wanting to kind of cater to the mass America. You know, that's another huge opportunity for us. And so we are feeling really optimistic and we're going to continue doing what we're doing, which is providing advice and education to, you know, middle America. One of the things, uh, so from our neck of the woods, our mission, we see the world in particular with respect to asset management products as you know, sort of a restaurant dynamic. If if you can only afford 
a certain amount, you're being, you're right in the front of the restaurant, just getting a plain menu, pick what you want. But then as soon as you can write anywhere between a million to a $10 million personal check, you're chauffeured in the back of the room, you get access to this different menu. Don't worry about your ETF. We're going to put you in all these other different things across asset classes in the world. And that dynamic just doesn't sit well with us. Um, uh, you're at Wharton right now. I also went to Wharton. We know it was always just strange to us what our peers are doing for their jobs are way different than how we tell our friends and family back home to manage their money. So we're squarely focused on that problem. I realize that problem has probably existed for several decades, or there's a reason why it's existed. But our hope is that if not us, hopefully, you know, someone can help tackle and democratize those two different menus across the course of the room. And as Ed just mentioned, because we have all this mobile technology and it's very clear everything's becoming digital first, hopefully we ha we can use this to our advantage. Like we're basically building on the backs of other technology that occurred before us. So yeah, it's really exciting. Like hopefully uh, the next coming years can prove to be a really promising one for the FinTech industry. Yeah, you know, for us, it's it's full steam ahead with everything that we've been planning. Um, you know, we've, we haven't really let up on the gas at all. We've We've been still developing and building new services, new products during this during this crisis. Um, we're still servicing our customers uh, just as well as we were before. So it really benefits us that we are digital first for those incumbents. It's going to be very tough for them because they have to and adapt everything about their business. When I first left a larger institution and started my career in fintech, I always made the analogy, it was like going from a cruise ship to a speedboat. Uh, you know, on a cruise ship, if you want to turn left, you need a lot of time and a lot of uh, advanced planning in order to make that turn. And it's, it's not something that happens uh, right away. At a fintech, it, you're in a speedboat. If you want to turn left and you want to make a change, it's happening right away and you better buckle in because it's going. So for us, you know, for everyone on this panel, this is kind of the times in which we thrive in. We know that we can change uh, direction on a dime. We can, we can adapt very, very quickly. Uh, we are very nimble in everything that we do. That's kind of our, our ethos. And a lot of these larger incumbents, that is not the way that things go. And that is not how, what they're used to. So, you know, you have to go through a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy to make any sort of changes. And, you know, six months later, it's not, it hasn't progressed at all. So we really have the advantage uh, when it comes to times like this where we can adapt quickly, make changes on the fly, um, and do so in a way that is meeting the demands of our customers exactly when they need it and, and how they're asking for it. So I see the fintech space really coming out thriving in this environment because it's just it's what we're built for. Obviously, there may be some consolidation. You may see some players that, that just end up kind of by the wayside. I mean, you see Motif just kind of dissolved and Goldman bought them up uh, or bought the remains from, from Folio. But I think that's a little natural. Times like this might kind of might hasten those, those exits. But, you know, for, for everyone here and, and many of the other players out there, you know, we're really built well for circumstances like this where we can move quickly and adapt very quickly. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone. Before we go, I wanted to give you a chance uh, for, you know, for your parting thoughts. Is there anything you'd like to highlight to our audience before we finish this uh, panel? 
Uh, I would say check out a stash stock party, free stock, 4 p.m. Very simple, very easy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say um, uh, Money Lion and Stash were some of our early inspirations. So credit to the two other folks on the panel with me um, who, you know, have just demonstrated that there is an alternative to some of these legacy incumbents. And in fact, they designed that alternative when no one gave them the playbook. Um, so it's really exciting to see just the crop of fintech companies coming up and doing so well. We're, uh, we always think to ourselves internally about you know, the, the sense of responsibility that we have to actually help this wealth transfer, help grow, help design really awesome products. And oftentimes we say, like, oh, we're not going to go in that neck of the woods because they're doing such a great job. Like, they're going to crush it. And you know, I won't say the variety of companies, but definitely if uh, two on this panel are the ones that we often say. So I'm definitely feeling inspired. I think a lot of our peer companies are doing a lot of really awesome work. Um, so we're just trying to make sure we can similarly do awesome work in our neck of the woods. Yeah, to echo what uh, Joe said, you know, it's, it's really great not only just to connect with everyone. Uh, it's been a, it's been a while since since I've been able to kind of connect with other people in the in the industry. I miss it, so it's it's great to be able to sit on this panel and you know it's really great to hear that that everyone is doing really well during this. You know, like a you know we're all kind of in this together. You know, we may all be kind of going after the same pie of customers, but I want to see shared success across the board. I want to be able to see. Uh, you know, I want to be able to sit on this panel again with uh, Joe and Ed and, and talk talk again about, hopefully we're not in another crisis when that happens, but, you know, talk again about our success and how everything's going. So, you know, I'm, I'm just really optimistic and really excited to see where the fintech space goes. Uh, you know, when I first started in fintech going on six years ago now, it was nothing like what it was now. So it's it's uh it's really incredible to see how much it's grown how much it's developed and i'm truly excited to see what happens over the next couple of years you know decades just to see uh where we all are at and uh and how everything shakes out fantastic well joe ed ryan thank you for joining us this has been very very interesting and highly educative for everyone appreciate you joining us Thanks for having us. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. If you want more content from our FinTech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton FinTech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa.